en een hartelijke goeie morgen, welkom by ons program Skriftierik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Jou nummer 1 christelike radiostasie, Radio Kansel, 657 AM. Dis waar jy ingeskakel is, 657 AM, en so vir die volgende uur gaan ons saam delf in die woord van die Heere, gaan ons soek na antwoorde op vraag wat jy moendlik mag hee, en uh, waarop jy nog nie antwoord gekryd nie. Samt my in die atelier, uh, nou ja, is het pastoor, dominee, padre, hoe jy ook al, hy sê, no, titles is not my thing. Uh, what do you call yourself sometimes? Lovely, you say, I'm just a bell ringer, pastor, Rocky, good morning to you, how you can? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you, Vainant. Lovely to be here once more. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you, my brother, and such a privilege. Uh, as you can hear, we've uh, changed somewhat in the past four and a half years that we've been presenting the program, in that uh, Pastor Matt is a, taking a breather, and Rocky stepped in to fill the gap. Uh, so, uh, also a, a pastor in his own right, and a servant of the Most High God. Rocky, in a nutshell, those who have not met you before. How do you normally introduce yourself? Where are you from? Well, from Benoni Bible Church, and so that area, living in Kempton Park, been married to one wife, Maxine, for the last almost 12 years now, and so yeah. we give thanks to the Lord for that. We've got two little boys, Levi and Simeon, and hoping to get the other, you know, the other tribes of Israel, and so maybe I'll have another 10 sons and then a daughter. <laughs> At some Why point, not? I guess that makes me the deceiver Jacob or something if I'm the, <laughs> over the 12th right. But yeah, we, from that area, thank the Lord to, for his grace of being in Benoni Bible Church, been there for the last couple of years. Before that, came from Middleburg Baptist Church and so served there for seven and a half years. Before that, I was uh, the youth guy at Open Baptist Church in Hodebeersport and right. did my seminary training up in Polokwani. And so, yeah, just seeking to serve the Lord and faithfully put one foot in front of the other. That's a lot of what ministry is about, just plodding along. And so we thank the Lord for that. Somebody once said the Bible is the acronym for basic instruction before living eternally. What does God's word mean in your life? What does Bible mean to you? Yeah, God's word is just so precious. I thank God for giving me his word. And, you know, the psalmist says it's, sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb yeah and that often Indeed. comes to mind as i think about his word the proverbs say there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes but its end is destruction yes and god has given us a way that's right in his eyes for us to be able to walk by his truth and so his word is a light to our path a lamp to our feet he has given us the lord jesus christ in particular the grandest um, revelation within the revelation of God's word. Yeah. And so we have the focal point being our Lord Jesus Christ. But above that is the glory of God that is yeah. shone brightly through the scriptures. And in his glory, he shows us the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. so that we might yeah. come to redemption and be saved. Yeah. And so from 
that perspective, the Word of God becomes not just a, a book which we read, but a book that very much reads us and Beautiful, becomes yeah. uh, light to us to yeah. be able to live by. Yeah. And very much real and living and active, as the book of Hebrews says, His Word is like that. It does open-heart surgery yeah. on us, and yeah. He is the greatest surgeon of mm. all. And works inside of us there at those places that we can't see yeah, and yeah, works and yeah, changes yeah. our hearts. And so I thank God for his word bringing salvation, but then also bringing life change. Just yeah. as you love his word, he continues to uh, shine light upon the path that you walk. Can we say freely to one another, if somebody says this morning, Hey, brother, I'm struggling to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm, I'm struggling. Where is this God? Does he talk to us? Is he involved in our lives? Can we freely say... When last have you read your Bible, brother? We definitely can say that. The problem is not with God. He communicates. He's the one that made us, and he made it possible for us to hear his voice. The problem really lies with us. And sin has a deafening effect upon us, and it has a blinding effect upon us, and it has a, a deadening cold effect. Our hearts remain cold before God. And so the problem is not with God. Uh, my advice to such an individual would be pray to the Lord and yeah. ask him to give you a heart that's able to hear his word and ears to hear his word. And read his and word. Then, and then go and read his word yeah. and and trust that God would open your eyes to see because right. the Lord loves to hear such a prayer. The problem is that we're very prideful. We think yeah. that we can come about things our own way and we often need to be humbled. And so if the Lord is humbling an individual, they must let the Lord humble them to that point where they actually have ears to listen. You remember that parable of the prodigal son yeah. should really be called the parable of the loving father. He loved yes, the, so. the older brother and he, who was self-righteous, and he loved the younger brother who was not righteous yeah. at all. Yeah. And this younger brother lands up in a position where he's right there at the pigsty, and it's, he's at his worst when he suddenly realizes, I've sinned against God, I've sinned against my father. And he comes back, and the father runs to meet him. And so Beautiful, you see huh? the love of the father there. But Beautiful, it's huh? many a times we need to hit that p- that place, and the scriptures actually say he came to his senses. You know, he yeah, came to yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we need to come to ourselves and go, self, you've been going about things your own way, and you've been hitting the brick wall. It's time for yeah. you to turn back to the Lord. And here's the way. God has given us the way in his word. Um, his word is able to be understood by us. God yeah. even uses language so yeah. that we are actually able to come to him. Now, there are secret things in God's word. There's many secret things. Even my wife and I were talking yesterday about some of the passages in places like Genesis chapter 6, yeah. where you see the sons of God coming to the daughters of men. And yeah. you have yeah. difficult passages that cause you to really scratch your head at yeah. times and go, what does this mean? We know in the New Testament that angels don't marry yeah. um, people. Yeah. What does this mean? You know, yeah. There's three yeah. different views with regard to this. Where do, we, where do we go with this? Oh, there were the Nephilim on the land. This oh, was yeah. before the, yeah. The, yeah. the flood. And then after the flood, there's Nephilim again. There's, yeah. there's difficult passages within which the we don't understand i mean which, paul himself said i look in in the mirror as if in the mirror and i turn around there's c- certain things we don't know we don't yeah. have the answers to yeah and and the apostle peter talks yeah. about paul's writing and yeah. says paul has written some difficult things yeah um, difficult to understand peter's a fisherman he comes yeah. from that thing but paul came from a rabbinical background and was likely part of the sanhedrin and and very high up as a lawyer a jewish lawyer yeah. and um And so there's difficult things, but the problem isn't with God in his ability to communicate. The problem is with us, with our inability to listen. And we battle to actually listen to God. We need God to change our hearts and we need him to 
plug out the earwax from our mm. ears so that mm. we might be able to hear him. Open and the his eyes word of my heart. Is, his word is spiritual, yeah. you know, and, and he speaks to us by his word and he illuminates to us his word. So the, the, the scriptures are inspired, fully inspired of God. That means that God breathed the scriptures. Yeah. It was written by human authors. Yeah. And those human authors, they, they fully wrote it based on their own background, their own upbringing, their own language, the, the things they were going through. But the very things they wrote were exactly what God would have them write. Yeah, and so yeah. it's divinely authored. But to be able to understand God's word, you also need divine illumination. Yeah, you need yeah. the Holy Spirit to open up the truths of God's word for us. For that to happen, one needs to be born again, number one, because you cannot discern spiritual things without being a spiritual individual. So you yeah. must come to that point where you recognize, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, Jesus is the Savior. And then a very important step, Jesus now is my Savior. Yeah. He needs to be my Lord, I need to be born again. And when that happens in the heart of an individual, the Holy Spirit moves in. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you had any other spirit that was there, he moves out. But um, it may be that you were an empty vessel and you needed the Holy Spirit within you. And then you can start to understand God's word. But we mm. still need to be humble. And yeah. I think this is part of the process of sanctification. We often have so much that we need to be humbled by the Lord in so that we might even hear his word. All right. So uh, thank you so much that uh, the uh, pastor, Rocky Stevenson, with me in studio. Um, I'm still to give you the WhatsApp number. That's if you've got a question in your heart. Ino Matia, Xinfio Danso, Bayadanki. And you're most welcome. English, Afrikaans, doesn't matter. Send it through. And I pray that as we uh, address the issues, maybe you, you see scripture from, from uh, another point of view. Uh, you're welcome to send that through to us as well. Uh, Acts 17:11 says, search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. So, uh, here is the number. If you want to take part in the program, 082657. Two seven two nine. Hopefully, I've given it slowly enough. Here it comes again. O eight two six five seven two seven two nine. Kindly, just a sideline remark. The scriptures that is unclear to you, just pop that in there. It makes it kind of easier in the studio with all the Bibles and the laptops and the logos programs and everything that we have. That. Um, that to find that, that uh, piece of scripture that you make reference of and uh, send that through to us as well. Ek wil jou verseker, ek en uh, Rocky het gebid vir jou voor die tyd, wil jy nie ook vir ons bid hier in die atelier nie, dat ons nie vlees uh, bedien nie, maar gees bedien. The word of God, that we look at it from a spiritual point of view and that God would lead us through his Holy Spirit to give you uh, Holy Spirit-inspired answers this morning. 082-657-2729. Kicking off with a question we had last week, Rocky, we had a listener that asked a, a very interesting question. Who was King Shalom in the Bible, and what significance does he have for Christians? Can we start with that one? Yeah, uh, sure. And and what, what what does the Bible say with regards to that? Who was this guy, and, and, and why is it even in God's Word? Yeah, we find this about King Shalom in Second Kings chapter 15, verse 8 to 10, but there's a bit of a broader section. I'll read it to the, the listener, and this is what it says from verse 9 to 15 of Second Kings, and this is the only place that this man is actually mentioned. And so he is of very little... 
There's, there's very little written about him, but we know that every passage is God-breathed inside of God's Word and so has an application to us. So this is a good question in that it asks, where does this apply to us as Christians today? And we can look back at the Old Testament and see so much of what has been written and see the lessons which are, are given even for us. But let me read that section, Second Kings fifteen nine to 15. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh and his, that his father had done. And he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. Then Shalom the son of Jebesh, this is where we start to see about Shalom, conspired against him and struck him down before the people and put him to death and became king in his place. So there was an assassination attempt that succeeded on Zechariah. And so now the rest of the acts of Zechariah, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. This is the word of Yahweh, which he spoke to Jehu. So Zechariah is the fourth generation from Jehu, King Jehu, who had actually killed Ahab, wicked Ahab and Jezebel and all of those prophets of Baal. And God had said to him, you'll have four sons or four generations that will reign then. And so the scripture continues to say, saying, your sons to the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. You'll remember that there's two, there was a split during Rehoboam and Jeroboam's time, which Rehoboam was the son of Solomon and Rehoboam had not listened to the wise counsel of some of his older counselors. He listened to his younger friends who said to him, tax the people more, make their work more difficult. And the kingdom of Israel actually split into two different kingdoms. And Jeroboam went up north to Samaria, made that the capital city. And then there was the southern tribes of Judah. And so this is part of the lineage of what happened with the kings of the north. And you find it was a very bloody time for Israel. There were lots of assassinations. Many kings came after each other. And so this says then, and so it was, Shalom, son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah, king of Judah. You read about Uzziah even in the book of Isaiah, where it says the year of Uzziah, and then the Lord came to Isaiah. So you get these connections. And he reigned one month in Samaria. Can you imagine that? (laughs) One month. You know, one month to slow the spread. One calendar month. Something, you know, like uh, 30 days. (laughs) And that's how long he reigned in Samaria. That's a very short reign. Then Meneshem, son of Gadi, went up from Tizva and came to Samaria and struck Shalom, son of Jebesh, in Samaria and put him to death. And became king in his place. So there was another assassination. So he had given an, uh, he had become king by assassination in front of all the people. He must have been pretty bold. All the makings of a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And right after this, this guy is put to death. And this next king, I believe, reigned uh, quite a lot longer. Yeah. Now, the rest of the acts of Shalom and his conspiracy, which he made, behold, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So that's Second yeah. Kings fifteen nine to 15. The name Shalom means retribution. And so that's just an interesting name. Many times the Hebrew names in the Old Testament meant something to this. And God really brought retribution upon a wicked king who had done the same things of Jeroboam. You'll remember Jeroboam set up a golden calf again. Actually, two of them. Uh, You'll remember back in Israel's history as they came out of Israel. And when Moses was up the mountain a little bit too long, his brother and the the people set up a golden calf and said, well, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Well, Jeroboam did that same thing. He set up golden calves and he led the people of Israel into false worship. And so you have this man actually being part of God's plan to bring retribution upon a man that was sinning against God. 
And God had promised that Jehu, who had killed Ahab, killed the prophets of Baal, that he would wow. have sons that reign for four years. And so God keeps his promises, but he uses a wicked guy to do that. Yeah. And so this is where we got to start thinking biblically through this. And it's a reminder for us that God is not the author of, e- of evil, nor does he tempt people with evil, as James even says. But he's not derailed by evil. He gloriously even uses evil to accomplish his own purposes, yeah. which is marvelous regarding the way that God operates. Not even Satan is able to do anything apart from God what saying, God okay, allows him do. to do. We yes. remember the book of Job. Yeah. Now, we think back to even Genesis and Exod- uh, the Genesis account regarding Joseph and his brothers. His brothers come to him and they say to him, no, please don't be angry with us. You know, please don't kill us. Um, our dad said, you mustn't do this. You must forgive us. And Joseph says, well, you know, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. Yeah. And so even the way that the brothers had sold Joseph into slavery, Joseph recognizes the providence of God in using even evil acts for his end purpose of glory. And that makes one to think then about the, our Lord Jesus and what happened even at the cross. You remember Matthew seventeen twenty-two to 23, where Jesus says to his disciples the following, he says, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were deeply grieved. What happened? Pilate, Herod, the wicked um, Pharisees, those that were the religious elite of the day. Yeah, the Sadducees. The Sadducees, because they don't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> yeah. um, all of them coming up against the Lord Jesus, wicked yeah. men, and they wickedly kill Jesus. Yet we see in Isaiah fifty three ten, but Yahweh was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If you would place his soul at a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of Yahweh will succeed in his hand. Who killed Jesus? Wicked men did. Yeah. But God did. He crushed him. Yeah. The Bible you, says Isaiah so, 53. You yes, just quoted so, the scripture. So you have, you have God in his providence and in his sovereignty allowing this wicked these wicked people who think that they, they're fully doing it themselves and they're fully guilty for it. Even somebody like um, Judas, who betrays the Lord Jesus. Jesus says it's better that he would not have even been born. The, the things that he's done, the way that he's betrayed. But God had planned this. God, th- had, God had prophesied this. Mm. He, he knew that this would have happened. And even at that point when Jesus gives him the bread at the table and he says to him, go, do what you must do quickly. You know, and all the other disciples are thinking, oh, you must be sent on a special errand. Yeah. All achieving God's awesome pleasure. Can I even ask you, even the forces of hell must have thought they have won, they have had victory, they have conquered, uh, desiring to kill the very Son of God, not knowing, not understanding that he will even conquer death three days later. Of course, they were having a party and then yeah. Jesus rose from the dead. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you, it, it just gives you hope, even in your own life, when you see evil things happening, yeah. wicked things happening. Who is above all of these things? God himself. You know, he, yeah. he has not authored evil. He has not tempted anyone with evil. Yeah. James says he doesn't tempt like that. Yeah. But God himself makes sure that his will is accomplished. He will do all that he does for his glory. And that's where we get Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So Shalom was king of Israel for just one brief month, 752 BC. 
It's a long time ago. Yeah. And he ruled the throne in a very wicked way, just like others had ruled before him. But we can learn this lesson about the way that God would use even that for his grander purposes, to fulfill what his prophecies were and to do that which was pleasing to him. And then I would take us to a passage like Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 13, which just highlights this more for us. And it says this, Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none. There's no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that have not been done, saying, My counsel will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have formed it, surely I will do it. Hear me, you you stubborn of heart, who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it is not too far off, and my salvation will not delay, and I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. So what a wonderful... um, what a wonderful reminder for us right. regarding the way that God orchestrates all of this for his good pleasure to do his good will that he would get all of the glory. Rocky, have we not lost the ability to fear this omniscient, all-powerful, majestic God who flung the stars into the universe? No, definitely. We have lost it. We've come sort of blasé, become blasé. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, and God, everything for His good and His purposes. Um, we had a had a, a, a email from the email, a WhatsApp from one of our listeners, Ina. Uh, I just want to touch on that. She said, "Das woord wat vir ons duidelik kan gee rondom die loudsharing." She said, "Is dat enige woord wat vir ons duidelikheid kan gee rondom die loudsharing en die petrolprijses en al die veranderinge in die wereld?" She said, "Ek voel gebed gaan nie rarig die dinge in die wereld gebeure verander nie. Dit gaan ons nie versterk om wereldgebeure te inspireer um, en, en Satan se, 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 se optreer is goed te verwerk, maar nog steeds vasthou in die beloftes van die Heere uh, gebeure rondom ons sky die kaf van die koring sien ek dit recht, uh, she was just referring to petrol prices and the things that's happening uh, Rocky, what do we say? Uh, doesn't it tie in with King Shalom? God uses the bad and the the destruction and the chaos around us for yeah, His glory think, and His purposes? I think it does tie in so well providentially, and this question came up not knowing some of the other questions. It's a, a wonderful thing to to just think on on much of this. We learn so many lessons from the things that happen around us. Yeah. Often at times we are driven to our knees in prayer before the Lord regarding this. For a child of God, something like Psalm 37, which I mentioned in a previous a radio show comes to mind. Yeah. You you know, there the psalmist says, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen his children begging for bread. A passage like Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. There's enough troubles in tomorrow to not bring them into today. Yeah. And he talks about looking at the birds of the air and the way that they don't sow nor reap, but they, they don't gather into barns, but the Heavenly Father looks after them. You don't need to worry about what you're going to be eating. You're not going to need to worry about what you're going to clothe yourself with because even the lilies of the field are more glorious than King Solomon was arrayed in all of his glory. You know, yeah, whatever yeah. Um, garments he put on were not as beautiful as the lilies of the field that are here today, gone tomorrow, thrown into the furnace. So for the child of God, we don't need to worry um, about these things. We don't need to be anxious. We can trust the Lord. 
But just as a relatively comical side note, we had our evening service at Benoni Bible Church this last um, Lord's Day, and load shedding hit while I was busy preaching, and I was actually talking about a, a section in John chapter 3, verse 19, which says this, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. So we we have there a passage talking about the way that the Lord Jesus came into this world, and he is the light, and yet people actually preferred the darkness. So we have some wonderful teaching tools that happen <laughs> to us regarding the load shedding. People um, people call it uh, you know, load shedding, or they'll call it uh, a um, a blackout, but it's yeah. more like the light out because yeah. the black comes in and the light goes out in that yes. sense. You know, you yeah. have this black, um, everything just dark around you. And we yeah. had this at the church and even my little boys that were sitting there got a bit of a fright. And thankfully, I preach a full manuscript off of my laptop. And so yeah. I was able to just keep on preaching and we're doing the book of First Thessalonians in the evening service. But what a practical illustration. What What is it that you like most in your life? Are you turning towards the Lord Jesus because he's the real light? You yeah. know, he, he is, and John chapter 1 talks about this, he is the light of men. You know, yeah. So we're very dependent on ESCOM, aren't we? Yes. You know, we're super dependent mm. upon our petrol, aren't we? Yeah. But who do we really need to have life? Who do we really need to have light and understanding? Messiah. We need Christ. We need Christ. He's, and, and so we have these physical things around us that are really, that draw us towards a deeper truth of what our soul desperately needs. Now, the question to us would be, is, has there been a whole lot of load shedding regarding the light of Christ in our lives? What are we doing? What are we pursuing? Are there times that we put Jesus on hold and we say, no, no, I'm going to do this sin. I'm going to dwell in this darkness. Yeah. I think that would be really the direction for the Christian to be thinking about. These are far more important. There's so many distractions from us actually turning to the Lord. Maybe next time that it goes, that your TV goes out, instead of getting angry about it, thank the Lord and go to his word. Go to him in prayer. Spend time with him. Start to do some of the important things in life that you've been putting off because you've been so entertaining yourself with things of this world that have been distracting you. We need to be a people that are able to be still and know that he is God. And I think that too much of this world is so busy the whole time. And we're so dependent on so many things and forgetting who we really are dependent upon. Another passage comes to mind like Nehemiah chapter 1 where Nehemiah saw the distress of his people in Israel and the broken walls of Jerusalem. Yeah. And he recognized himself where he, he had a part to play in that. Some of our own apathy and some of our own um, cultural issues even in our day have caused us to be in some of the crisis that we are in ourselves and many a times many a times christians have backed away from speaking the truth but speaking the truth boldly and and getting that out on air well it is so true in a baie waar wat jy sê daar so dat ons die hele dan sal vertrou en dat Die Heilige Geest ons sal lei, because ultimately God's purposes will be fulfilled. Um, die telefoonnummer in die atelier 082-657-2729. Pastor Rocky Stevenson, saam met my hier achter die mikrofoon, en ons kyk na die vraag wat jy vir ons kan instuur. Uh, Petra, wat een baie interessante vraag ingestuur het, en uh, ons gaan daarna kyk, maar ons gaan eers een muziekbreek neem. Petra wat gevraagd, wanneer gee ons vir die bedelaar, die ouwe moet die God bless you boorkie by die straathoek, uh, 
moet ons die heilige geest vertrouwen om, om, en wat gee ons, hoe gee ons, uh, so, nou ja, interessante vraag, wanneer ons terugkom, gaan ons kyk na die ene, Rijmensel Jesse, every day, 0-2-6-5-7-2-7-2-9, is waarom jy jou vraag stuur, en tot en met 12 uur, ek en pastoor Rokkie achter die mikrofoon, en ons kyk of ons hierdie skriftierlik kan beantwoord, the highest authority known to mankind, God's word, no hassles, no frauds, sounds of life coming your way on 657am, skriftierlik die naam van die program, ons onderzoek die woord van die heren, as jy dalke vraag het, wat jy wil hee, ons hier in die atelier moet aanpak, stuur vir ons a WhatsApp, 082-657-2729, miskien is dit een leefstijl vraag, miskien het iemand ergens iets gesê, uit die woord van die Heere wat nie vir jou sin maak nie en waar jy graag meer die duidelijkheid wil hee so stuur het vir ons in en ons pak dit aan hier in hier die program tot en met 12 uur, elke dinsdag tel jou familie en vriende dan ook van hier die program Peter, jy is volgende op die lijst en Peter het vir ons een vraagje gestuur en sy begin die WhatsApp so, waar wil is is daar weg, dis wat my sien, hy is een jongman sê laat my dink, daar is altyd hoop uh, is ons maar ook nie skuldig nie. En dan, om uit te deel aan bedelaars, mag die Heere ons lei wanneer om te gee. Which brings us to the the question, especially now when it's so cold and it's winter, Rocky, what do we do with regards to, you've made a, a very interesting point, a little bit earlier in, in the program, I think you mentioned uh, Psalms 37, Yes. Uh, the Lord's children will not stand on the street corners, beg for bread. And yet we see men and women standing on street corners. It always ends with God bless you. Mm. Um, thank you, the Lord Jesus Christ will bless you. Yet these people are battling and struggling and enduring immense hardships. And, and they're asking, it, it's normally always food or money. How do we trust how do we know? And there's lots of horror stories going around. And we have the sense of, nah, they're using it for drugs. They're using it for liquor. Nah, I'm not. How do we trust the Lord to lead us and when to give and how to give? Uh, is there a way? Is there guidance? What, what do we say to our listeners? Yeah, first, um, first Thessalonians, Paul deals with a similar type of a question. There were people that were busy bodies and they'd believed, okay, well, the rapture is about to happen, so I might as well give up my work, not to work. And Paul says, those who don't work don't deserve to eat. Yeah. And so Paul gives that charge to the churches of God. He says, you don't be lazy. Go and work. Go do the thing that your hand finds to do. We do have other instances of beggars that actually could not work, like that beggar that was at the house, uh, at the gate called Beautiful, that Peter and John were coming up okay. to and that he was lame. All and right. they said to him, oh, with silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And uh, what a wonderful way in which they responded to him in that regard. Now, if we make it practical and we say 26% of people in South Africa are unemployed, there's simply no work at the moment. The world economy uh, on the on the brink of a... Uh, I don't want to use the word uh, implosion here, but uh, it's hard to come by work. How do how do we, you know, bring it back to grassroots level? What what do we do now? Yeah. So the Lord will look after His children. That yeah. is the promise from His Word, and God is true to His Word and will look after His children that have a heart to work. All and right. He, you don't. 
you know, even I, I had this occasion once with a, with a gentleman in our congregation. I won't name names, but we challenged him head on because he was sitting at home. His wife was working two jobs and he was sitting at home not working. And we, we started putting him under discipline because you need to work. And the attitude is the, the issue that needs to be worked on. Yeah. And having an attitude of willingness to work, oftentimes we have this almost victim mentality, but okay, jobs are bad, the country's bad, stuff is bad for me. But what we gave him in that challenge, we said within the next month, we need to see that you're actually doing some physical work, whether it is washing your neighbor's car, cutting your neighbor's lawn, whatever it is, go and work. God gives to a willing hand work to do. And he has called on us to work. And we also, he also calls on us to not make excuses all the time, but to take, to be manly and go and actually um, take the bull by the horns in that sense. So I do think that there is this, the attitude of laziness needs to be rebuked and needed to, needs to even be repented of. And I do think that many, you've heard the terms probably kidult. You have too many kidults today where our children are being pampered and kept inside of the home until they're mid thirties or even early forties. And oh, not kids to, and not adults. Yeah, they're, they're not <laughs> kids, they're not adults, and they're yeah. playing computer games, and we yeah. enable them. We need to stop enabling them, yeah. and we need to encourage them to go and work, even do the difficult thing for the good of that, that, does that person's even, soul. Does that even mean offering your services without payment? Here I am. I'm willing to work. If you find it in your heart, then to pay me, uh, but I'm here. It, 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 as you say, it addresses the issue of the heart. Eh? Definitely. Yeah. And, and I do think that we, we need to open our eyes and ears towards some of the things that are happening in our country. Many a times you have beggar pimps. And yeah. what I mean by that is you have people that are actually – They have these people that they keep on tuck or they keep on some form of drug and they put them at those street corners and they're not actually even working for themselves. They're in a form of slavery, even inside of our land. And so this is happening inside of South Africa. We are one step away from being blacklisted for child trafficking, for example. And there's some good organizations that are fighting against that in our land as well. But you have people that are being trafficked for even these purposes, for becoming beggars or organ transplants, yeah. uh, you know, organ harvesting. And we have some wicked things that are happening. For the Christian, oh. it's to know that that's happening and then not to be part of enabling that, but also to realize that we are ambassadors for Christ yeah. to take the gospel to the nation. So maybe the next time you're at a robot, uh, roll down your window and strike up a conversation regarding Christ. Recognize yeah. that that person has been made in the image of Christ. And if they if they trapped inside, they are trapped inside of their sin, which is one of the reasons that they're there, because God's word says, I've never seen his yeah. children begging for bread. You can know for sure that person needs Christ. They need yeah. the gospel above all else. And um, then to also re- realize the Lord has given you everything that you have. It may be that you're able to give a banana or an apple, etc. And you could do that with good conscience. You could give if that is something that's laid on your heart to give. And you can go with a little bit less and do that as unto the Lord, um, recognizing that your gift is not um, to enable a drug addict, but yeah. also to just realize that there's human dignity. You look that person in the eyes and you care for their soul. And I think that that's where the the balance comes for us. We can have a hard role of saying, okay, but you're not working, don't eat. But God has been gracious to us, hasn't he? Um, He has let the rain fall on the wicked and on the godly. And so there can be a a, a movement in our own heart regarding compassion 
and doing good to all people, especially to the household of faith, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what we commanded. But just on the earlier part of the question regarding where there's a will, there's a way, yeah. I think that that's dangerous in a number of ways because we're not God. Yeah. Where God's will is, there's a way. And this is something that I would just reference uh, to James chapter 5, verse 13 to 18, which says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He must sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they will pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that is offered in faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sin, then he will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And then it talks about Elijah and the prayers that he made. We go to the Lord in prayer, and we are dependent upon him because it's his will that is done. It's not our will that, and even our Lord Jesus said that in the garden. He said, you know, if it is your will, Father, let this cup be passed away from me. But not my will be done, but yours be done. That is the Christian, uh, let's say, motto. Yes, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. And then not falling into the presumptuous sin of just um, believing that, that whatever my will is will happen, definitely. You know, so James 4 is another passage to take the listener to, verse 13 to 17, which is now, come now, you who say to, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live or do this or do that. You hear that phrase? If the Lord yeah, wills. yeah. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And yeah. so, even that, that phrase sounds good when it rolls off the list, yeah. off of the mouth. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. But is it biblical? No. That's not a biblical approach. It is, if it's your will, Lord, then you yeah. will make the way. Yeah. Because yeah. we trust in you, and you have tomorrow in your hands. Yeah. We can't just will something to be. We don't have that kind of a power. What The balance that I would give as well, and I think there's two extremes to this. One extreme would be to have a fatalism where we say, okay, well, God is sovereign and he's going to do what he will. So then I'm not going to have any responsibility at doing anything. Yeah. No, God is sovereign, but you're responsible. You must do what God has called you to do. You must be obedient. And his word is filled with places where you should be obedient. If you love Christ, you will do what Christ has said. On the other extreme would be to think that we've got to just force our own way in all of these things. Right. And where there's the will, there's the way. So there's the balance that the scriptures bring of, I'm going to trust the Lord with regard to this. All right. So what about organizations? I'm thinking about churches here. I know of one uh, uh, church that hands out little booklets, even a little, uh, it's almost like a food voucher where there's a structured organization that you can go to this church, you can go to this building, and if you're handing your voucher there, you get uh, food, you get a place to sleep, you get a hot blanket. Do we as Christians have the responsibility, Rocky, then to to uh, maybe in a structured way uh, help our church, help our minister uh, set up something like that as opposed to just blindly giving out at the robot, uh, maybe setting up, be instrumental in setting up something like that. What would your advice be to Christians listening to this program now? It is the middle of the winter. It is freezing cold at night. 
there are hungry people out there. Should we be mm. instrumental in setting up something like that? Where's a more structure to it? Yeah, I think Christians for all ages have been benevolent people who have loved the people around them and sought to make a difference in their community. But we must not forget the greatest need of people, which isn't the food that's in their belly. It is Christ, and it is having him and being born again. And when a man is born again or a woman is born again, the Spirit of God moves in and transforms that individual. And they become a child of God. We receive the spirit of adoption. We were once enemies of Christ, but now we are his children. And we cry out to him as our father. And he then provides. He then provides for his children. Right. And so that is the, the goal that, that one has. And right. I think we would be cautious about setting up some, some kind of like um, uh, what they call a social gospel where we just do those things and then we proclaim that. And often at times I think many ministries land up like that. We yeah. do stuff for a picture and for a Facebook post instead yeah. of for the soul of an individual. And I think that's where we need to be careful and is that we do what we do for the Lord Jesus. And also to soothe our conscience, you know, I'd rather I'd rather give it to, I'd rather give it uh, to the minister and to the church to handle it. It takes that socioeconomic problem off my shoulder, and it's no longer my responsibility. Iemand het gesê, ek gooi geld op my probleem. Ek sal geld gee, maar jylle ons moet die job gaan doen. That's also another way of of dealing with it, a worldly way of dealing with it, not God's way, is it? Yeah, what what I would say as well, Vainan, is that there's there's so many good ministries within local churches and you can get behind that and yeah. you don't need to feel guilty when you're doing that. Yeah. You know, one of the things, I mean, for if I can speak just my own family, my my wife, myself, we give a, a love offering to our congregation. Yeah. We don't hold to tithing. Tithing is not a New Testament concept. It's an yeah. Old Testament concept. We hold to gracious giving. That is what a Christian does. They do gracious giving because you've been, you recognize everything that I have belongs to the Lord. But there's a certain amount that my wife and I give towards Benoni Bible Church, yeah. which is the local church that I'm a member of. Yeah. Even though I'm the pastor, I'm the local church. I'm part of that local church. Our local church has got leaders, elders, deacons, yeah. and they decide what is best and most biblical regarding the work that we do for yeah. Christ right. inside of Benoni, inside of this world. We have missionaries that we support, etc. We give that there, and it's an act of worship to the Lord Jesus as we do that. And then we trust that the leaders of our local congregation will do right with that. Yeah. Now, there may be amounts above that that we would help somebody in our yeah. family with yeah. or help somebody right. that's in need, etc. Okay. And Timothy says that if you're not looking after your own household, you're worse than an unbeliever, speaking in particular in context regarding widows within yeah, right. your family and orphans that are in your family. If you're not able to look after them, then you can be worse than an unbeliever. So there, yeah. might, there may be times that you that you stretch to look after family. That doesn't mean enabling family. And yeah. I would make a distinction there. Um, and even Timothy gives us a proper guideline regarding biblical widows. And so you can go and check what Timothy says regarding that. So you don't enable somebody inside of their sin. You know, somebody that has decided a sinful way and they're reaping the consequence of that sinful way, you don't enable them to do that. And I think that's yeah. where the problem is so often with us. We, we often are kind-hearted. We have good intentions. But uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And we sometimes try to become a providential net underneath people from hitting rock bottom where they ought to actually hit 
so that they can come to their senses like the prodigal son and yeah. turn to the Lord. Right, the listener just said here now that Neil and I hand out tinned beans and pull rings now open and eat it with an elastic band around the tin uh, with a plastic teaspoon and a tract. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. That's wonderful. And I think that's a thoughtfulness um, from from this this listener um, thoughtfulness in in giving them actually something that's going to really feed them yeah, more yeah. than more than the beans is going to feed them and then you trust the lord it's amazing what god you know the, the it's not the gospel tract that yeah. saves somebody yeah but the gospel tract is something that God can use as a tool to save somebody. And he uses the tool of your kindness in and your thoughtfulness. Because even as you wrap those tracts around the, that tin, you're probably praying and saying, Lord, won't you please open their eyes to read this thing? Yeah. Many a time somebody might even toss it aside. I'm reminded of a story of the, I think it was a Gideon story. And, you know, the Gideons give out a lot of Bibles. And oh, we thank yes. God for the yeah, Gideons. Yeah. And there was a Gideon that was giving out Bibles. And I, I'm hoping that my memories serving me correct with this but you'll get the story anyway but he went to a prison and he was giving to the prisoners mm-hmm. the Gideon Bible and the one prisoner was smoking it yeah. you know um, each time that he got the Bible because <laughs> the pages are nice and thin so you could roll it up and you know put your put your marijuana in there or your yeah. tobacco in there and it would smoke well and the preacher or the man going there the, the Gideon guy um, he, he knew that this is what this guy's doing and the guy came to ask for another Bible and he said to him listen I'll make a deal with you before you smoke a page, you've got to read the page. If you make that deal with me, I'll give you another Bible. And the guy agreed, and it was a few months before he came back into the prison and then said to this guy, okay, this guy was completely changed. He came back, he's born again, um, trusted in the Lord Jesus, and he's going, well, what happened with you? He says, well, you know what happened, man? I smoked my way through Matthew. I smoked my way through Mark. <laughs> I smoked my way through Luke. But, man, when I was smoking John, John began to smoke me. And uh, so this man was born again. And so you see the wonderful tool that uh, yeah. the Gideons even gave there and the way that the Lord uses that. So I think that that is commendable, you know, to think through a, a practical way of being able to care for some of the physical need. And our Lord Jesus did yeah. that as well with people. Um, yeah. He did that even with Elijah when Elijah was depressed and went away from Jezebel. He fed him and yeah. let him rest. Used ravens to feed And I think it's we, we've got to just check our own heart yeah. motives. And many a times what's in our own heart is displayed out when we have these challenges of somebody at a robot. The, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as you've done it to the least of these, does it apply to, to the topic of discussion now? In particular, it would apply to Christians. Oh. So when he talks there, Jesus is talking about the when he splits the judgment of the sheep and the goats, and yes. he's got those on the right, those on his left, and yeah. he says to those on his left, get away from me, because when I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. You know, get away from me. Yeah, right. But to those on the right, he says, come in, because you did this for me. And oh, he right. actually speaks specifically regarding Christians. the Christians, and oh, he says, right. you visited those that were in prison. You fed them. You've clothed them. You've done it for the least of these, oh, my right. brothers. You've done yeah, it unto me. Thing. So when we do the least things, even to a Christian, we're doing it unto the Lord Jesus. Mm. Jacqueline says, as many that lives on the streets and begging at traffic lights uh, that are given into 
drugs. I think Rocky has made uh, mention of that. She says, I give tea and bread to those who are in my area. And uh, because most of their things get stolen and uh, robbed, uh, it's worse in winter as well. Thank you so much for each and everyone that contributed to this program. Rocky, time to uh, wrap it up. You wanted to say one yeah, more thing? Time, time to wrap it up. But one last thought. Many, many folk that are listening have folk that they hire at their home. They have guys that work on their property yeah. or guys that work Garden in their engineers home. Or, what, what I would yeah. say is pay them well and look after them and, yeah. you know, reward work that is done and have, have a, um, you know, stop trying to bargain down so many things when you're buying a broom from somebody or yeah. just, you know, reward men and women that work. By, by giving well to them. And I think sometimes we don't give as well to those that are working because we're so busy thinking about giving to those that aren't working. And as we do that, we have a culture that then rewards hard work. Brother, you 30 seconds. If people want to be in touch with you, send you an email. Somebody says, where can I get hold of this program? Interesting topic, interesting discussion. We'll podcast it right after 12 this morning. You can go to Radio Puppet's webpage, podcast. You can find this same discussion there. But if people want to be in touch with you, Rocky, where do they get hold of you? Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za. You're welcome to send tough questions there if you like or to just get hold of me there. And you're welcome to do it anonymous next week, Tuesday. God willing, same time, same place. We'll be there once again. It's good to listen to Rocky and Valant. It's good to listen to Radio Pulpit. Ultimately, Acts 17, 11 says, Search the scriptures yourself to make sure that these things are so. Till next time, Rocky Kibwell, God bless you and Shalom.